I used to just have almost a minor panic attack in the morning when I would hear their little pitter patter feet walking down the hallway into my room to wake me up just cause I was like, Oh my word. I just, I, I wish they could just sleep in until noon. Hope talk, a PCM podcast. So this for this podcast, a little bit different. Uh, Matt Engel Productions, connecting Christian radio with life impacting music. Well, I followed your advice on Man of Your Word from Maverick City Music and took a risk on that one there because it was a different sound for us. And you talked me into reminding me that different is good in those situations and, and it's worked. Do you remember when that song came across and what was your process of, yeah, this is one we're definitely going to promote? You know, to be honest, man, it was a great song. It did pretty well. It didn't test incredibly well for most places at most places. I don't know how it did at J103 and we can talk about testing too, but like, um, it, but it, as far as this research listeners didn't, they were kind of just like, Oh, we like it. We don't know. We love it. But I think it was a great first step in, um, you know, doing something that like giving uh, some variety um, to Christian radio that they hadn't heard before. And I think the more they hear that, the more they'll like be acclimated to it. We're going to talk about uh, um, how you were with a label for a while in your career, but now you're an indie promoter. What are the strengths and uh, uh, the benefits, the challenges, I guess you will, of being an independent promoter? Well, I think the biggest challenge for me, I'll start with the challenge, um, is just I'm, I'm a pretty sociable guy. I like to be working with a team um, and with independent promotions. I do in the sense of, you know, typically a, a label, if they hire, you know, me, they would, they bring me as part of their team or, uh, or a label that doesn't have a team. They hire a couple different indies and we become the team. Um, but, you know, like way obviously way before covid when there were people working in offices and stuff i i just remember being like sometimes kind of bummed out at least especially early on like i just want to be in an office with other people i want to be sitting in meetings with around a table with all these other people that i care about and we're working together and collaborating and um and that part would you know i would definitely feel a little bit lonely at times it kind of felt like i'm on an island out here doing this um but i would also say on the reverse of that i I really think independent promotions has been good for me um in the respect of i get to choose what i want to work and i get to you know a lot of times at a label you don't you're just given whatever the a and r team brings to you and um a lot of times it's not something that you might be super stoked about but you got to do it because that's the they just the label just invested a lot of money into this project and so we got to make something happen um but yeah for the most part i get to choose exactly what i want to work and um and the, honestly, I think the, the money is pretty, yeah. the money is better too. Um, Good deal. Now, a lot of the labels, most of the, I'd say the majority of the labels are based out of Nashville, Tennessee, but yeah. you're not. How do you survive another South Bend winter up there in Indiana? Indiana? Well, I don't, I wouldn't say that I've survived yet. It's only February. <laughs> We've got two more months of this. Like, I don't know what can happen to me between now and March or April, but yeah, I, I, I've just gotten used to it. I've been up here for 10 years now. Um, and, uh, I, I actually don't hate it living up here in the summertime cause it's really, it's really mild and it feels great, but, yeah. um, summer only lasts like three months <laughs> here too. And then it gets back to the snow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just get, I get kind of used to it and just in kind of 
numb out a little bit. I, you know, before, again, before COVID, before the pandemic, I was traveling a lot anyway. So I would be able to get down to, you know, see you or get yeah. even more into like Florida or California. I would always try to do the warmest states possible in <laughs> February, March, and, and April. Um, what, so. who, who's been the best non-stream artist that you've ever helped promote? Non-mainstream? Yeah. Yeah. Like not from a label, not from a name that we know, you know, who... An artist that we may not have ever heard of had it not been for Matt Engel promoting the song. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's a good question. I, I mean, there's artists that you probably, I mean, like for in one year, I think it was 2014, it was a really cool year because uh, I was a part of breaking both Danny Gokey and um, Ellie Holcomb to Christian radio. These are two artists that at the time nobody had really heard of. Um, I mean, they'd heard of Danny Gokey from American Idol maybe four or five years earlier. I can't remember, but it'd been a while. And, you know, like there's so many American Idol artists that come and go and they start kind of fading into obscurity. Um, so no, nobody had been thinking about Danny Gokey for years and Ellie Holcomb, nobody really knew who she was outside of the fact that as they started to learn about her, they realized her dad is a prominent producer in the industry and her husband's in a, in a band that's done pretty, that's done quite well as an independent band. But, um, those are fun projects for me just to go out on the road and introduce, um, guys like you, Ted, to like Ellie and Danny, who are both just wonderful, like charismatic, loving people and very engaging and, and, both had big songs um you know ellie's kind of come and gone a little bit from the industry or from radio now but um i think most stations still play some of her stuff and yeah. and danny obviously is danny Goki. i mean everybody knows who he is he's been a huge success and it was really cool especially with danny because he really went into ellie kind of went into it with ah let's just try it out let's just see what happens danny was like this is my last shot <laughs> This is what I've got. If this doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't, I don't have, I don't have anything left. I've tried all these different avenues and nothing seems to work. And so it was a little bit of a hail Mary, hail Mary for, um, for Danny. And it ended up becoming a, a gigantic success and a huge answer to prayer for him. Yeah. Now, have you been to Danny's house down in Nashville, Franklin area there? Um, not his new house. Okay. Um, well, in his old house, the the rumor is he makes all of his guests, no matter who you are, take off your shoes when you come in his house. Is that true? Um, I mean, I would not be surprised at all. It's um, true. I, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that. He said, yeah, 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 for sure. Are you that way in your bachelor pad there in your house there in South Bend? To be honest, man, well, I've got wood floors, but yeah, like where there is carpet. Yeah. Because when I, I'm rolling around, you know, with my kids or something and I'm like, there's something about thinking about other people just stepping on this carpet with their shoes, <laughs> with my face next to the ground. Like I don't, I never ask people to take their shoes off, but I always kind of love it when they do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're talking with Matt Engel today, independent producer. Matt, currently, who what's the artist that you're most excited about right now? Not to slide anybody else. I'm I'm putting getting you off the hook there. Nobody's saying he's playing favorites, but who's the artist that you're most excited about right now? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, there's so, I mean, gosh, there are so many that I work with on a regular basis, but if I have to say, if I just have to say one, I would probably say Maverick city. I'll take it full circle. I think that there's something, and I think it's just because there's, even though they have a pretty big following, um, and they, they, 
garner lots of streams and you know on spotify and youtube people know who they are and they've got a lot of presence presence in the church with their music but um on the radio end they're such an underdog you know they're just uh they're it's uh nobody knows who they are and or nobody they're not a familiar name at least on you know, radio stations yet. Um, they're becoming that. And, uh, but I think there's something that's been really fun for me to be a part of, um, of just kind of introducing this kind of sleeping giant to, to Christian radio, kind of in the same way that, you know, probably Hill, they, Hillsong was back in the day or um, some of these Bethel acts that people have been following for years off, that off of radio, but um, then radio embraced them and then, they became even bigger. Is there an artist that very few people would know? I may not even know who they are yet, but you know, here this time next year or the next couple of years, you'll know who they are. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I got to think about that too. I would say if there was one, I would, man, I would say, and um, there's a, there's a new artist named Holvey. He's not an AC artist. He's more of a, like in the hip hop realm. Um, he was with reach. He's with reach records down in Atlanta. And, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's kind of the new, like Lecrae has been working with him and he's kind of the new, like it guy for reach records. They're putting a lot of stock into him and I've got a lot of songs I'll be sending out from him in the next year. So I, I would think just based on how much energy is being put around behind him by such a prominent label that Holvey, H-U-L-V-E-Y, um, could be a pretty big name next year at this time. Holvey. Okay. All right. We talked, we alluded to the labels. You were at the labels one time. Was, was that a dream of yours to finally make it to a, a, a record label as a promoter there? It was. I mean, I grew up and in, in listening to Christian radio, grew up listening to like, I, I it was a funny thing. Like I actually be fell in love with Christian music because my family uh, in South Bend, Indiana here won a all in, all inclusive trip to night of joy in Orlando when I was in seventh grade, this would have been 1992 or 93, maybe 93. Um, no, sorry. 1995. Anyway. Um, and we, uh, we didn't have any money. We our family just did not have a lot of money growing up. So we didn't go on a lot of vacations. The vacations we had were just camping trips down the, down the road. Um, so this is like the first major trip we were ever able to take. And it wasn't, they didn't, the trip didn't include flights. And so my parents just took the backseat out of our Aerostar van that we had <laughs> and, uh, put a couple pat mattress pad things back there. And my, my brother and I, he was a little bit younger than me, just slept. And my dad just drove through the night one night, um, just all the way from Indiana to Orlando. I don't think we could even afford a hotel. So we were just like, we just got to drive. We got to shoot, wow. got to make it here. And, um, and so we made it to Orlando and, and just being on, it was, I don't know if, if your followers would know who, what night of joy is, but it's just like this big music festival at the magic kingdom in Orlando. And so, you know, I'm walk, we're walking in and DC talk is playing on the main stage and Petra is playing point of grace is playing in another part of the, um, of the, the, the park park yeah thank you and uh i just was like this is amazing i've never seen anything like this this is so cool and a really integral part of integral part of my life realized there's something really great with music christian music that i didn't know i didn't know this really existed 
Um, so I was really, really grateful for that. So all that to say, fast forward, I just was like, I just really want to be a part of uh, making Christian music better. I have always felt like it was a couple years behind what was happening at mainstream radio. And I was like, I just, what if I want to do something to make it better? So yeah, I, I, I went to a small school in Indiana, did not have really many, any qualifications to get a job in the music industry, but I moved to Nashville right after I graduated, took a teaching job in Franklin, Tennessee. And then, um, what were you during, teaching? What were you teaching? I taught English and journalism, wow. and I coached cross country. Oh, I'm, I'm a veteran cross country parent uh, oh, with yeah. my kids. I didn't know so, that. Yeah, for sure. All three of my kids did. Two of them did very well. One of them hated it, but uh, it was good. Oh, man. Yeah, it's so hard to love cross country unless you just are absolutely a runner. <laughs> I was not, so it was not always very fun for me. But yeah, I, I didn't realize that, Ted. That's cool. Yeah. So, okay. So, how'd you go from teaching in Franklin, Tennessee to what label? Yeah. So I was working for a couple different magazines, um, as a writer in the summertime, I would just like, I, I wrote for a magazine called relevant and a couple others, uh, wrote for the Tennessean in Nashville as just a music feature writer. I would just turn in stuff to them and they'd be like, this is good. No, they just keep sending me more work. And uh, so just through course of just meeting publicists and stuff, um, one of the publicists became a friend of mine and she was working with the band Jars of Clay and she was like, hey, I, there's a job in the radio department at that, the label that I work with. If you're interested, I can probably put your name in. And uh, so she did. And um, yeah, I think there were probably, I think at the time that my, the guy that was hiring said there were like 150 to 200 people that were applying for this specific job wow. in the, in, in the national promotions department. And I'm like, I don't even really know what that is, but I would love to work in the Christian music industry. So I applied and did not get that job and was really bummed about it. Um, but he was like the guy that hired me or the guy that um, interviewed me was like, I think that there's something here. So let's just stay in touch. And I kind of figured that when he said that, I probably lost my shot that's just not gonna happen so i'm just gonna have to stay in the teaching realm and uh probably about a month later he calls me again and tells me hey man there's a job that opened up um would love to have you so i started and i did not know anything about radio i did not know much about um this even the culture of of the of the label world um I didn't know really much even about Christian music in that season. Um, I'd kind of stepped away from following it too much. So there's a lot that I had to learn, um, you know, it's even as far as just what all the different radio stations, I had to make flashcards for like WBDX is in Chattanooga, <laughs> uh, KKFS is in Sacramento, you know, just to figure out where everybody was. Wow. And so how long did you work for the label? So I worked for the label for um, two and about two years, a little bit over two years, um, and uh, really enjoyed it. Really found myself just uh, totally enjoying the, um, especially just the marketing elements and being creative and coming up with cool promotional ideas for to work with radio stations with. And I mean, it was really kind of there couldn't have been an easier. Um, path for me as a promoter because at the time and casting crowns was just blowing up brandon heath was huge 10th avenue north was just starting to break out um you know there then there's also like third day was still coming out with really like the, the revelation record and um just so everything that i was working was just gold i mean it was like mm -hmm. i don't think i would have one phone call with a programmer where i wouldn't walk away with an ad somewhere because there's just so many great songs um 
And uh, yeah, fast forward, I, I remember having a conversation with the vice president at, um, we went out to lunch one day and he was just like, Matt, I see you as one of the future, you're the future of this company. You and a couple other people could run this place if you want in a few years, if you just stick with it. And I just remember thinking, do not mess this up. Um, and then fast forward, um, about a month later, I, um, made a, I, I made some bad decisions, um, and, uh, had to leave my job. Um, they were really, very, very gracious. And we, um, so it was not necessarily fired, but it just wasn't going to work for me to stay there. Um, and, uh, it was uh, the lowest point that you can imagine being i was i just couldn't imagine that things were going to get yeah any worse and they didn't they gratefully they haven't yeah <laughs> uh, that was that was pretty bad but it was you know it's been a long road of recovery that was in 2009 and uh 12 years later you know there's still ramifications for for those things but god's been so gracious and um you know brought me through a lot of healing and and all of that how and matt my, i mean there there may be some people listening right now and they're like i don't know what he's talking about i think i know what he's talking about but yeah that's my story too i've i've dropped the ball big time how did you pick up the ball and keep on going how did you know was there anything that you remember in particular that that our, our followers need to, to to do as well I think, yeah, that's a great question, Ted. I think the biggest thing, man, is just like, I had to learn how to be honest with myself. I needed to learn how to, and and the best way for me to be honest with myself was to bring people into my life who I would be genuinely afraid of because I knew they were going to ask me hard questions. They were going to beat me up. They were going to um, mess with my ego and, um, and they were not going to be impressed with me if I was, you know, with anything like I, you know, I kept trying to sound him. I remember during that time, I would be, I would have moments of like, well, you know, what I did was bad, but it wasn't that bad. And they're like, no, it was, it was, let's not even talk about how not bad it was. It was bad. You made some bad decisions and, um, you needed to, um, yeah. And so I needed to be around people that were just like, not afraid to tell me what I needed to hear. And I was, uh, and that led me to really have to question like how honest I was being with myself. Um, Again, like I needed to be like really dig deep into why was I doing the things that I was doing? Why did I make the decisions that I made? Where is my heart? And um, and what uh, what do I really want? What do I what's really important to me? Um, and do I really want to get well? It's kind of like Jesus with the, the man at the pool at Bethesda. Like, do you want to get well? I needed to make a decision. Do I really want this or do I want to just look good and try to make people think that I'm a good guy? Yeah. Um, so. Did did you ever at, at that point? Did you ever try to talk God out of it? Like, okay, God, this really wasn't that bad, or did you ever felt like you could do that? You know what, man? I never really did. I never. Um, I think if anything, the heart. I've probably struggled on the other end of it with thinking that um, what I did was unforgivable, um, more so than like than anything else. I've never been mad at God for what happened. Um, I don't think I never, I never really looked at God as like, um, um, that he was, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. I'm sorry. I'm not being very articulate here, but I just never really looked at God as anything other than like, I just think he's disappointed in me, you know? Yeah. And I had to get to a place of feeling like of, of believing that, um, 
in the same way that when we see our kids make bad decisions and fall apart, we, I never, I might be disappointed, but I'm never looking at, and I know you too, like with Chipper or whoever you, you know, when they make a bad decision, they're not looking, they're not like, you don't look at them like, man, you just let me down. I don't think I could deal with you ever again. I, you just like, let's work on this. Let's figure this out. And I want to make sure that you're, you're in a good space. And, um, so I just had to get to a place where I believe that's what God wanted for me too. that God really wanted to see me yeah. in a better place than where I was. There's no way in the world I could hold uh, uh, Chipper or Trevor or Lauren or any of those people that because I screw up way more than they do probably do every single day. too. So, <laughs> so yeah. you, you mentioned you're a single dad now. How yeah. have you as single dad of two, right? Two kids. Yeah. How have yeah. you survived the pandemic this whole year with with especially with you know, South Bend winters and everything there. How have you done that? Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been, it hasn't been that bad. I mean, it's been bad. Everything's been not great. Um, to, uh, the pandemic is like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure like how to, uh, to communicate like how I've survived it because I just know that there's been people that have had it a lot worse than me, um, that have had to survive a lot more than what I did. Um, I, I got sick really bad in February oh, wow. before all this stuff happened. And I'm pretty sure that's what I had. I lost my taste of my sense of taste. I couldn't move for about 10 days. I was just in massive pain, but I didn't know what was going on. People were joking that I probably had coronavirus, but like, I was like, that's not a real thing or I don't yeah. know. That's in China. That's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so I think if I, if I did have it, I had it, you know, before it was a thing that everybody knew about. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, the hardest part about it has just been kind of just, um, kind of facing the fact that we aren't as free as we think we are. I don't, there's, you know, I think I've taken for granted how much, um, uh, I, how much freedom that we had, you know, where we could go places and do things and go to baseball games. And, um, you know, obviously just not need to put a, remember to bring a mask everywhere. And, um, that stuff's been a challenge, but it's also, I know when people are, when people are dying and people are sick and ill, like those are pretty, those inconveniences are small yeah. prices to pay, I guess. How do you, to me, you've always been a pretty, a pretty cool with it, dad. How do you, and you're, you're going to be humble and, and deny this, but how do you thrive as a, as a single dad? What are some of the joys and what are some of the strengths? That's a great question. Um, I would say, I mean, because it's been most of my adult, I mean, most of my kids' lives, I've been a single dad. I don't know that I thrived very well at the beginning at all. Um, I was, it was, those are really hard few years when I was raising two basically toddlers, um, by myself, um, early on. And, uh, it was, those were long days. I just would just could not wait for nap time <laughs> to get the, just so I could get some time by myself. I used to just have almost a minor panic attack in the morning when I would hear their little pitter patter feet walking down the hallway into my room to wake me up just cause I was like, Oh my word. I just, I, I, I wish they could just sleep in until noon. Um, but yeah, to, I think really would I choose to be a single dad? Um, if I had a choice, absolutely not. But, um, because I have learned, because I've, I have been one, I do think it's made, it's forced me and God's used me to become a much better parent and a much more active and proactive and engaging parent than I think I would have, um, just knowing my personality. Um, if I was 
co-parenting and you know in the same house so uh one of the ways i think i've really strived is just to or thrived is just finding adventures to do we go on a lot of trips my son's been to like 16 states already and he's only 14 but he's i mean we've been on both coasts and on both oceans and spent a lot of time just on mountain bikes and on the, in the mountains and stuff like that has been so we've had a lot of great times and i think those i've always tried to make those times memorable and and, and you know talk about tough things talk about important things while i've got them in those places so what would your son say if i had an opportunity to bring your son into frame here and say what was your favorite trip with your dad what would he say so far Oh, that's easy. Yeah, because we just did it. Um, this is back in September 2020. Um, we were supposed to go in March, but that was right as the pandemic hit. We decided I decided to cancel it, and I just decided in September, let's just do this. We went out to Moab, Utah, and we just got a couple mountain bikes. We rented a couple mountain bikes, and uh, we just hit the trails out there um, by Arches National Park, and I can't remember the other names of the places, Dead Horse, and we just had so much fun. Um, the, it was really hot of course it was like august it was or september it was the heat was ridiculous but we um we just had we had a blast and we i I just decided to kind of go all out like he's a big car guy so we got a a convertible mustang for the as a rental car and that was that was so fun just have the top down in the desert and just driving for four hours from salt lake city to moab in a convertible with just mountains on both sides of us and just you could see everything um and you know and obviously that was the perfect time for me to like talk with him about sex and talk with him about things that like he needs to know about at this time of his life. And it was, uh, yeah, it was funny because I could just tell like, you know, these are conversations that no teenage boy wants to have. And he's just looking straight ahead, like miles down the road. Like I just want to be so far away from this place right here. I wish I could just go away down there. Cause he's just, that's just so uncomfortable right now. But you know, again, as a parent, and I think hopefully other people can attest to this. Sometimes you just got to have those conversations knowing that like, even if they're not being received the way that you hope that they will with like, yeah. thanks dad. I'm so glad we had that conversation. <laughs> I still got to believe that like something happened and I'm sure Ted, you can, you can for sure. Attest oh yeah. To that. Well, let me get you ready for a future conversation that you will probably have. All right. So fast forward, these are years down the road. You, you go to your front door and there's a young man and he's like, um, excuse me, Mr. Engel, could I talk to you for a few moments or could I take you out to coffee or whatever? And then that young man asks you if he can marry your daughter. Flash forward, what's that conversation going to be like? I'm really excited to have that conversation, actually, um, because knowing who my daughter is now, um, and she's only 11, her name's Evelyn, um, she... uh, she already, I think she's, she's somebody, and I know she's got a lot of life to live yet, but she knows who she is and she knows that her dad loves her so much. And so I really already can tell that she's, while a lot of her friends are starting to get kind of giddy about boys and stuff, she's just kind of like, I don't really know that I need boys in my life. I got my dad, my dad's cool. And like, he gives me like, he, 
we cuddle and stuff all enough. I don't need that. And I really hope that that's something that she continues to just feel like I don't need, I, I like guys. I like the way I you know I like their attention, but I don't need their attention. And, um, so anyway, when she does find that guy that actually wins her over, I think that guy's going to be a stud. <laughs> and so I'm going to be really interested to hear, uh, or just, you know, obviously I don't think I'm going to be surprised because I think that's going to be a, a, the other thing I want to be very open with my daughter about all that stuff from the beginning so that I don't think when he comes up to my door, I'm going to be blind. I don't think I'll be blindsided at all because I think there'll be, have been many conversations leading up to that moment, but I'm well with your personality. Are you going to give him a hard time? Or are you going to play along with him? Or are you just going to be gracious? I, I, there's no way I can't give him a little bit of a hard time. I'm going to ask some hard questions. Um, you know, um, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll probably be a little bit of all that, Ted. I'll be, <laughs> I'll, I, I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could bear the idea of making somebody sit through too much misery of my teasing, but like, uh, yeah, there's no way that he's just going to get off the hook with just, you know, okay, cool. Yeah, you're in. <laughs> I'll send you the application on how to date my daughter and uh, and all that kind of stuff. You can you can have some Please fun. Do, man, I'm sure it's extensive. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you and your son went uh, motor a uh, bike mountain bike ride. Do y'all do y'all ride motorcycles too? No, we don't, man. My okay. my brother does. Everybody in my family does actually, except for me. I never got that 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 gene. Okay. Well, let's flash back to music for a second here. What artist have you gotten to work with that made you the most starstruck, and why? Hmm. You know what? Like probably working with Jars of Clay back in when they first started. I mean, I grew up with those guys. Like that was one of the first bands that as I started really diving into Christian music, um, I was just really um, like, man, you know what? Yeah, that. But even when I started working at Provident, it was like Michael W. Smith, Third Day, um, Jars of Clay. All three of those artists were working on the label at the time. And all three of those artists were artists that I listened to. I mean, I grew up with Michael W. Smith, you know, um, like listening to his music as a little guy. Um, so just being able to work with all of them. But I'd say probably Jars of Clay just because I was like, man, I just like everything that they've ever done at that. You know, at that point, I was really just a fan of, of everything they had done. So it was really cool for me to spend a lot of time on the road with them. <clears throat> we uh, I, I got, you know, I went on a couple different tours with them, rode in their tour buses and um, yeah, that was probably the most the time that I was. I don't even know if I'd say starstruck, but at least eventually um, and maybe at first I was a little bit, but then eventually we just all became just bros. And it was pretty fun. South Bend, Indiana is where Matt Engel lives. Should Notre Dame stay in the ACC permanently? They're gone, man. They're out. They don't. I, I kind of wish, I think that it's going to come back to bite them a little bit that they leave, that they left. But um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm actually kind of on the side or I think they should stay in the conference. I know that's not very Notre Dame of me. <laughs> that's not very Notre Dame's way cockier than that, but they, uh, yeah, I think this is a good idea for them to be in it. And I think it was very gracious of the ACC to let them be in it, to be honest. Sure. Now, from what I understand, the home that I'm looking at that you're recording right now, you actually rent that out still as Airbnb? Do you still do that? I do. Yeah. So, memory, I do. so how fast, if somebody were to call you up right now or online and say, hey, we want to rent your house, how long would it take you to get out right now and for it to be ready? <laughs> right now with like a whole sink full of dishes and 
Um, yeah, man, I would say I could probably do it, but I like that challenge, man. I could do it in two hours, <laughs> two I hours. Would, I would be exhausted, but yeah, I would. Cause that's the thing. I'm always like, yeah, like I, I always overcommit. So, <laughs> but I would do it. I would, I, it might not be perfectly clean, but I bet in two hours I could get this thing like, you know, livable livable yeah. and rentable mostly yeah. around the notre dame football season though right and that what i remember yeah, you saying that's really the only time there's no no other reason people want to come to south Bay. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, uh what's the latest thing you've taught yourself how to cook that's a good question too probably chicken marcella i had it the other day on accident at a restaurant and i was like man that's actually really good i didn't i don't know why i ordered it um i don't even know if i meant to order it but i i got it and i'm like this is chicken marcella i didn't even yeah and, and so i started making it myself and uh i kind of like it so i mean it's not hard <laughs> it's, i'm not like by any means like it's chicken with mushroom over. gravy isn't it yeah basically man that's really what it is it's like a it's like a like almost like a sherry like a marcella is like a like almost like a wine cooking wine okay all right so what is the next big challenge that matt engel is going to face Man, well, I started, that's a great question. Chad, you're just nailing it with these questions. Um, I uh, started a record label in July this past year, which is right in the middle of a pandemic. I had this vision for starting a record label back in January, and then the pandemic hit, and I was like, well, I'm just going to keep moving along with this and um signed a couple artists that i were i was really inspired by um out of one's out of california and one was out of north carolina rally north carolina and um i was like I, I just wanted to start something these are brand new independent artists that have really great music and really cool style very marketable very like very mainstream they, they're believers but they didn't necessarily want to be in christian music and so um, I was like, you know what, maybe I could just like kind of be serve as like the minor leagues for them and kind of help them get started, like figure out their help them with their marketing, help them with their branding, help them with just their voice, figuring out who, what they what they want to say, how they want to say it, offer them some life coaching. Um, stuff like that just develop them and uh let's see if we can make something happen where they can kind of get boosted to another level and uh it's been so much fun doing that the, the label is called aesthetic um with a yk and um just to put together a logo and put together a website and, and enlist all these friends of mine to help with the design and um and even just all the marketing elements, I've got so many people speaking into it, but they're people that I trust and, um, and I know very well. And, uh, it's been a really cool endeavor. It's been expensive. And most days I'm like, this is kind of a dumb idea, but I'm really, I just feel like the Lord purposed me to do it. I think this is every, there's not very many people who know me that would be like Matt, that have not said like this is totally not a surprise that you're doing this this sounds exactly like something that you should do so go ahead we'll promote them Who, who's the first two artists yeah so well there's actually been four so far um two uh but the first two there's four now um one of them actually was a j103 artist for a little while um emily brimlow yeah uh, she, she had a song called the hope that you guys played for a little bit and uh she had we released a song from her called misfits back in october um but the two that um were the kind of the flagship artists was uh um, juicy pair it's a husband and wife uh, couple they they kind of have what a, a sound that we call a future 
future disco pop and future disco been, pop yeah and it's very just fun catchy um kind of sugary music um but it's kind of it's got a little bit of an alternative edge and she uh it's a husband and wife and they're just very much in love and so they're just writing all these great love songs and we're just putting um just putting it to getting some really great producers around them to produce these really great tracks. And so one of them has actually already been featured in a TV show uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was kind of cool um, called a show called all American on the CW. And uh, it's kind of fun just to see all the, the press that came from just something, some, some simple as that, but. And then who completes your roster? Who's the other two right now? Child. child is the other guy. His name's Devin, but he goes by child, which I, it's a it's the most impossible to google name po- uh, ever if you uh, how do you, you google child and it's just uh page never after page after page yeah he'll be on page like 612 or something on google <laughs> um but he's a really sweet soul he's kind of the opposite sonically from juicy perry he's kind of brooding and all and kind of a little bit dark toned um um kind of cinematic and ethereal and his uh stuff but um also just super talented very inventive very uh just doesn't nothing is uh like predictable with him and so but also music that is very much like you'll hear this stuff eventually on on tv for sure and then the final one who's the final one and then Sage Ray, a uh, new guy, also out, uh, originally from North Carolina. Now he lives in um, in Huntington Beach, California. But um, just uh, he's twenty. Just I think he just turned twenty one. He's a kid, and uh, yeah, just a singer songwriter. Plays guitar, and but he produces all of his own stuff. Kind of has a little bit of a hip hop feel, and uh, just yeah trying to, to keep him reined in because he's got a lot of ideas but it's been really fun um just being a part of his launch and his career gotcha too. so if i wasn't a guy i've only got two more questions for you if i wasn't a guy i was a girlfriend of yours a friend who was a girl sure how would i uh, how would you respond to this you should be bachelor of the year because because if i were a female friend of yours i'd be like matt you can't be humble now you got to really throw it out there what would make you bachelor of the year probably that i'm a great dad i really try to be a great dad and i just don't know what woman would be like ah, he's too nice of a dad he's too good of a dad i don't know like even that's and honestly like most there's not a lot of bachelors that are dads so yeah. i think that could also be like a nice but you don't really know how great of a bachelor how great of a dad most bachelors would be because they're not um one thing that i've you know and i would never leverage my kids that way but like i do think that be, i have really shown that that's important like that something outside of myself is um is important to me and, and i invest a lot of my time and energy into would your kids ever would your kids ever try to fix you up like if they had a cute uh, teacher man, or coach they or... are so in their own world with that <laughs> they, no. not any not anytime soon i can't imagine all right last question i'll get you off that hook because uh, i can tell how uncomfortable that one was for you um <laughs> how would you finish this sentence if i have to do blank at home one more time i'm gonna scream oh shovel snow so this is what's great about having a 14 year old now i can just send him out to do it so i did it i did it once to show him how it's done with the snowblower and everything oh. and uh now and now he does it so yes that is easy that's an easy did one you do it me. with snow shovels before you had a snowblower yeah oh yeah man that's that was the way to do it then i was like you know what i can i can get a snowblower 
and uh, and so I did, and it's changed my life. How often do you now use a snowblower? Uh, I mean, it depends. Like, I mean, like a lawnmower. You know, here in the South, we use that sometimes twice a week, depending on how much rain we get. Yeah. But but to invest in a snowblower, how many times do you have to use that in order for it to pay off? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'd say within a like in over the course of one winter, I'll probably need to use that snowblower ten to twelve times. Wow. So not a ton, but definitely enough that it's like worth it having it. <laughs> yeah, and you're like you said, your son probably definitely agrees with that. Yeah. Last thing, how can we, how can our followers, our listeners, pray for you, minister to you and your family? Thanks, Ted. That's a great. That's a really thoughtful question. Um, I would say um, probably. Um, I think we're always. I'm always looking for ways, especially as a father, to just um, to to teach my kids how to look beyond themselves, how to serve other people, how to have a heart for the lost and for the least of these. Um, so. I, I think, if anything, just to pray for opportunities that we'll have eyes to see and ears to hear where um, we can serve other people in a way that fits and that that is um, that's helpful and something that we can that my kids especially can really enjoy serving as well. Awesome. Well, can I pray with you real quick? Yeah. Thanks. God, I just thank you for Matt, my friend. And Lord, I thank you that uh, you've allowed me the awesome privilege and pleasure of, of getting to know him and just being able to hang out with him in that common bond that we share in you. And Lord, I ask that you would just continue to be with him as a dad, be with his kids. I pray for his son and daughter that you would help them to continue learning from him. Thank you for all that you've taught them through Matt and, and just how you're discipling them through him. God, I pray that you would open up their world to more opportunities to serve you and to and to see their dad and them um, serving together, lifting up people and pointing them towards you. Thank you, God, for the foundations you've set in their lives and the way you've used Matt and, Lord, how you're going to continue to do that. And, God, I pray for his label, that, Lord, you would just take that off and you would just explode that, that there would be other artists that would come along that Matt could groom and point them to you and, and that, Father, they could see their gifts and talents and the gifts that you've given them just to be used and to be of great impact for your kingdom. God, we love you and we thank you and we ask this in your name. Amen. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast.